Hello and welcome to this episode of Kia Company's webinar series, Influencer Insights. I'm Duncan Chappell, Managing Partner at Kia Company, and I'm excited that you're here to listen to the first of a series of conversations that I'm having with Philip Carter, Chief Analyst at IDC. One of the questions that we're discussing is digital transformation, and in particular, what role analyst firms need to play in helping organizations to develop a different sort of user of the sorts of services, the valuable insight that analyst firms are producing. As chief analyst at IDC in EMEA, Philip has a very distinctive challenge. His job is trying to develop new collaboration and new forms of deliverables on new topics that can help clients to understand changing industry issues. Philip, a key task at IDC has been pushing forward the idea of the third platform. And there you're really trying to help your users, help your readers to understand uh, frameworks, words, vocabulary that are helping them to understand better the changing environment that they face. And one of the things that I'm interested in is that you have a, a European role. And that makes me wonder, do you find that European organizations are innovating differently? Um, one of the things that comes to mind is the pace of change has to dramatically accelerate in many European uh, organizations. Maybe once we used to be able to wait for uh, Friday lunchtime discussions in the, in the pub or for things to go up in the hierarchy, uh, but now the pace of change is, is relentless and competitively important. What does that mean for you and for your clients? Yeah, I think, um, so thanks for that, uh, Duncan. It's really a, uh, it's a good overview of where we are at in the industry. Um, and I think you've hit, hit upon a couple of very uh, important points in terms of why we're doing what we're doing at IDC. Um, and a lot of it is linked back to the third platform, as, as, as you referenced, because that is creating a number of friction points uh, in terms of the way organizations adopt technology. Um, so it's creating, you know, the gap is widening between the disruptors versus the laggards. Um, so the spectrum of maturity increases across uh, the different types of industries and different types of organizations within that. And you're absolutely right in terms of uh, finding the right vocabulary uh, to, to, to define what's going on. I think, you know, increasingly people are coming to us for reference architectures. Obviously our taxonomies continue to be a very popular type of document uh, from, from IDC because it is a, a way of defining uh, the market and, and, and splitting up the categories. Uh, and people, as we move into this, this new era, I think people are, are, are really just grappling for what fits where. You know, where, where, do we, where do we, everyone's got a frame of reference for how they deal with uh, discussions on, on technology topics in general. Um, but suddenly new things are thrown in there and then it's trying to work out where a certain new topic links up to an old one. And um, because of the, the accelerated rate of change and accelerated rate of adoption of new technologies and the innovation cycles from being compressed, people are not left with a huge amount of time, you know, coming back to the Friday uh, lunch discussion, you know, you don't have those lunches to kind of uh, throw ideas out there and, and get, let them internalize and, and get people digest them, it's basically you've got to uh, ingest um, 
uh, internalize and, and create a point of view quickly. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're going to struggle to keep up with, with what's going on in the market. And increasingly, you know, what, what our customers are asking us for is, is much more of a point of view. So the numbers are important, and I think that gives us a differentiator. But what is our point of view linked to the numbers? Um, and that's, you know, both from a, a sort of broader market standpoint, but also to vendor customers, end user customers. Um, they all want that, that clearly defined point of view as to what this means to them and their industry and their domain. Um, so, yeah, we've got to try and address that. Uh, and that's what we're aiming to do. We definitely think that third platform is being adopted at different rates and different ways across the regions. Um, and that's part of uh, the, the, the challenge before me and, and before the, the broader IDC management team in terms of making sure that we create European specific content that makes sense globally, but also is relevant for our, our customers here in the region. Mm. Um, and, and make sure that it's visible and, and, and creates the type of thought leadership that, that we're really striving towards. So, I mean, that, that's, that's how we're looking at it as a starting point. I mean, I don't know which way you want to take it, Duncan, in terms of the details. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk a little bit more about how we're looking at organizations in terms of their digital transformation journey. But I think you're also, it sounds like you also want to talk about um, how we plan to change the perception of IDC amongst those AR professionals that are essentially your audience. How does IDC work with its clients in Europe, firstly to understand what those global opportunities can be, but yeah. then how to relate that to the, to the peculiarities, maybe the more cautious nature of, uh, of European businesses? Um, so I think uh, you, you hit on, on a very good point. Most of the organizations in Europe are straddling two worlds, right? So they're straddling the traditional business models, but then trying to do some of this innovation as it relates to digital specifically. Um, and I think because of the disruptive nature of, of the, uh, the new and emerging companies out of the US, what we call the digital disruptors, um, the, people tend to focus on those as examples. And they're interesting examples, and they, we talk about this disintermediation of business models, and how, how they've disrupted the traditional industries. And I, and I think we all know those examples. Um, what, what we're trying to focus on are the level of maturity uh, one step below that. So, but before I get into that, that, that step of, of, of uh, maturity, which we call the digital transformers, um, I will just talk through five stages of, of the maturity. I'm not sure if you've seen our, our approach to kind of assessing companies in terms of their maturity levels as it relates to digital transformation. Basically, talk about five levels. So digital resistor is the first level, and those are the companies, we call it the ad hoc stage of, of their digital transformation journey. Um, and uh, basically, at the, you know, not doing anything. And we've come across some of these in, in uh, very production-oriented industries, oil and gas. Uh, as example, we're focusing, you know, dealing with the fact that the commodity prices or oil and gas prices are are declining, and and not really thinking about how digital will change their business model. And there's some industries that are that are not necessarily uh, that adversely affected at this stage, although that will change over the longer term at this stage because they don't have that direct connection to the hyper-connected consumer, which is you know expecting different types of services. That they would tend to be in that category. And then you have um, the digital explorers, the second stage. And these are organizations that are kind of creating these 
islands of innovation around the enterprise IT platform, uh, focusing on digital use cases. So it might be an IoT use case, a cloud, a new kind of cloud-based analytics service, or a mobile application. You know, they, but they don't. They're not necessarily uh, linked to their traditional IT environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the the third stage, which is the repeatable stage, where they start to create a digital platform. Um, so that insurance company that you talked about, you know, they would probably be starting to think about how do they create a digital platform to engage with uh, their end consumers to be able to charge that type of insurance model on a paper paper, you know, insure by the hour, insure insure by the uh, time period type of model. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those big organisations are creating labs, you know, these are the ones that are putting these innovation labs in place, going external, right? So with these digital platforms, um, not, necessarily, not necessarily dealing with internal employees as, as the users, but external consumers as, and external customers as, as, the, as the, the users. And that's quite a big shift. Uh, but the, the, a lot of organizations at that stage three are in that phase of, of experimenting with these digital use cases, bringing them onto this digital platform, um, and really trying to target uh, a new way of engaging with the, with those end users. Um, the fourth level are the digital transformers, and these are the ones that are taking that have gone through that stage of setting up the digital platform, and now they're actually monetizing. Because the, the big step that we're seeing a lot of these organisations struggling with is it's all well and good to come up with a new idea around that, that example that you highlighted. But there's a range of them, right? So how about a connected bathroom or connected, uh, you know, appliance in the house, uh, pay by the pay by the hour insurance model. Um, you know, the uh, some of the, the retail examples, leveraging augmented reality combined with cognitive computing. Uh, Heal in, in in the UK is doing that. So, you know, they're all those examples, but the ability to actually turn it into money, to actually turn it into a business outcome that can be that can be delivered, is a big step. But there's some organizations that are doing it. They've turned it into a broader ecosystem. They're getting other players to, to build uh, applications on their digital platform. So they've turned it external, and they're actually delivering, delivering new revenue streams from those. So that's at the fourth stage. The, the fifth stage, with the disruptor stage, is, is where they actually can move into a new industry, leveraging that platform. So Amazon is the best example. So they've created this platform to go uh, into retail primarily. And now they've suddenly got a cloud computing platform they sell into, into as an infrastructure and platform as a service into our world, which is in, in the IT space. And that shows you how they've leveraged a core competency in one industry and moved into others. But there are a range of, you know, so Uber is moving into Eats now. So it's, 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 it's selling um, its capabilities into uh, food delivery. Um, but then you see, so you, and you do see some examples, some of the more advanced, sort of more traditional companies in Europe, like a BBVA bank or um, a Capital One to, to a certain extent in the UK, that are starting to move into that phase of actually thinking about new industries to move into. Um, but those are, those are the five stages, Duncan. Yeah, I think that's very interesting, and and I think it gives a flavour of 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 expanding capacity at, uh, at well both at IDC and IDC helping clients to expand their their, their capacity. I think one of the most interesting things is the idea that that you're helping people really to start to think about um, not just prototyping, but to think more broadly about change management about and about governance issues. And again, thinking from a European perspective, I think one of the challenges there can be that that governance 
is uh, different and is um, slower and is more risk averse and is less likely to uh, feel comfortable about prototyping, about mid-level teams of managers, of functional managers, uh, working cross-functionally to try to experiment with new with new solutions. Exactly. On the other hand, the, the greater um, uh, no, how can I put it? Uh, the, the, the that greater caution that, that then descends all the way through um, the the organisation, not only in its senses of governance, but even in um, in middle management, there can be a lot of uh, caution. And then I think a third challenge is the need to build cross-functional teams uh, to solve these problems that you might have uh, people who are in a particular line of the business, uh, but they might need not only to connect up with colleagues in IT or colleagues in customer service or um, uh, colleagues in, in, um, in, in sales, but they might also need to, to start to link up with people outside the organization, you know, with, with channel partners, with technology developers. And yeah. that produces um, a degree of change management and a level of governance um, complexity that I think a lot of organizations must find daunting. And uh, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you help clients? I mean, obviously, it's, at one level, it's, it's, it's rationally easy to say other organizations have faced these problems. They've gone through them. They're containable. They're knowable. This tool will help us. But in practice, I'm sure that you're experiencing um, some specific uh, challenges, and I'm sure you're developing some some particular competencies to help organisations get around their hesitancy. Yeah, I mean, so I think what we are finding so um, there's there's three levels, there's three differences in terms of the adoption or the digital transformation journeys that European organisations are undertaking compared to the US. The so three major ones. First of all. I mean, at a global level, we talk about the, our prediction. I'm not sure if you saw this, was that you know, two-thirds of the global 2,000 CEOs will put digital transformation at the heart of their corporate strategy by the end of 2017. So that's the global view. What, what we've uh, put in place for Europe, our prediction is that that is actually by the end of 2016, so one year quicker, that the, top, the two-thirds of the top 500 companies in Europe will do the same thing. And because we are seeing this at the CEO level of, uh, European organizations linked to the disruption that we've talked about. So they're realizing that this is coming and that they don't want to, to, be, to have the, the disintermediation of their business model that they've seen in other industries. But, so that's the first kind of key difference is that the, 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 the fact that at the CEO and board level, that this is, is, going, is moving a lot quicker in Europe because uh, of, of the, the threat to their survival. Um, but the two things, the two biggest things which are holding organizations back, and you alluded to, one is the people element, um, the mindset, uh, what we call you know, the work sourced dimension of digital transformation, so how people work together and how they source different teams to, to actually be a bit more agile and more fluid in terms of the way they deal with requirements from, from the market. Um, and I think that the point that you highlighted are absolutely right. So cross-functional teams, externally oriented, outside in, challenging the industry norms, making a few bold bets, doesn't come naturally to a lot of the traditional mid-level mid and lower-level management of, of European organizations. And then the second one is, is, is governance, but not necessarily just governance, it's, it's treatment of data, because um, you know, obviously in Europe we have a, a very different approach to privacy and data protection. The regulations that are, are being put in place 
are going to have an impact on, on how organizations leverage that data and how they um, look to compete on analytics and uh, the, the uh, sort of new areas around cognitive computing, co computing and artificial intelligence. Um, and the fact that, that there's, there are some uncertainties there in terms of what people can and can't do definitely creates a, a level of, uh, of um, inhibition. So th th those are the inhibitors essentially. Um, and but what what we do tend to do is is to show in terms of how do we help customers in, in that respect is not necessarily um, focusing on you know you know uh, how a, a U.S. organization has has done something and how it's impacted that industry in the U.S. is actually talk about European examples uh, what happens if 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 things don't change um, and then complement that with this pressure that's coming from, from the, the board level, the management level. So they realize they have to do something. Uh, and if they don't, then they, the, the broader business is going to, is going to be called into question. Um, and then highlight the, 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 the next steps, essentially, because the challenge is that they do see it as a big elephant, which they, they can't do at, at, in, in one, in, in one uh, foul swoop. It's more a case of a step-by-step -step process, but they just need a, a reasonably clear journey, use, what I call the use case journey. So we develop this use case journey so that it, it doesn't seem as if this is going to be um, a huge, as, you know, a massive five million multi-year type of project. This is going to be a use case journey where they test, deliver, uh, bring, you know, fail fast, that mentality of failing fast. Um, and, 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 and rethinking the process again uh, back into the mix. Um, it is, I mean, but you're right in terms of, you know, the, the, there is this, uh, this pushback around failing fast, and, and it doesn't come naturally to a lot of the European managers. And I think the UK is somewhat um, more aligned to that way of thinking. And on continental Europe, we see um, a lot more pushback, and it's more kind of, uh, slowly getting to the point where some level of, of failure is accepted, um, uh, but, they, so, but, the, but the key thing here is, is really highlighting the way forward, right? So the journey that they need to undertake. Okay, that's all the time we have for in this episode of the Influencer Insights podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to us uh, at our iTunes channel, and if you want to know about further episodes of our podcast series then please come to kiacompany.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.